just keep being you. Welcome to the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Horlbogen. I'm on a mission to foster civility, respect, and integrity with a dash of sartorial elegance in the boardroom and beyond. And I invite you to join me on my quest. Never have to be like anybody else cause you're my favorite person when you're being yourself. A true original right from the start, straight from the heart, a great work of art, you stand apart. Welcome back everyone to the next episode of the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. I have a very special guest today. Um, a lovely young woman that I've found on LinkedIn and connected with, and we've been um, we've been LinkedIn friends for almost two years now, and finally have gotten our schedules where we could meet. Um, her name is Jennifer Klein, and I know based on her following, many of you already know who she is. But for those who don't, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, the background um, in her bio. So Jennifer Klein is a self-taught woodworker and flag maker who views her craft as her life's calling. Widowed at the age of 37 and a mother of two young children, she picked up her husband's tools to make necessary repairs around their 200-year-old farmhouse. Eventually, she gained a handy reputation among friends and co-workers, prompting one to ask for a thin blue line flag. That flag led to hundreds more and new opportunities. Jennifer is currently a social media presence and influencer, I will add, uh, and content creator. <laughs> with over 275,000 followers. That is crazy. Welcome to my show. Thank you. I appreciate the intro and I appreciate you giving me the time to share my story. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm just so excited to have you here. And I think um, you have a such a backstory, um, Jennifer. Yeah. You know, I just, I just sort of briefly outlined it, but why don't you tell my listeners... Um, you know, a little more about yourself and the past 15, 13 years of your life yeah. and how you've ended up becoming this, I don't know, TikTok yeah. superstar and in, 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 in an industry that is male dominated, but you're, you're, you're succeeding and making your footprint. So take it away. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes I scratch my head and think, how did I end up here? Because this was not the path that I set out to be in. I have a, a background. I'm a paralegal. Um, so to go from being, you know, having that job and being a woodworker, like I never, if someone would have told me, I would have been like, no way, there's no way that's going to happen. I was not handy whatsoever. Um, I've always been creative, but I grew up with a typical, you know, mom who was a nurse. Um, my dad was a, a welder. And so, you know, I, I grew up in that type of atmosphere with, with two sisters. We were never in the garage with our dad. Um, so fast forward, I married my husband who was very handy. He was a maintenance man. So I really never had a reason to pick up a tool or to fix anything. Cause I had these strong men around me that just, that's what they did. Right. Um, and it wasn't until, like you mentioned, my husband's accident 13 years ago, he was on his way to work and was killed by another driver in a traffic accident. Um, and, and after that, it was, you know, I found myself in the position where I was left with this old home that needed constant repairs. And I had, I had like a sink or swim type of moment mm. um, where I thought, you know, I can't rely on other people my whole life. I'm going to have to pick up his tools and I'm going to have to try the best that I can to fill in the role that he left behind. And that's what I did. And you're also, you also had two young boys at the time, correct? Uh, well, two young children, my two young daughter, children, um, she was 
12 at the time. And mm-hmm. my son, actually the accident happened on my son's fourth birth, our son's fourth birthday. Oh my goodness. So I had two small, yes, two small kids. And, um, that obviously added to, to the, the work that was put on my shoulders as a single mom. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of trying to figure things out in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, um, I'm sorry for that. Thank you. Yeah. I, I know it's probably difficult to talk about. Um, so you, you taught, you said, Jennifer, get a grip. Yeah. This is our 200 year old <laughs> farmhouse, right? I've got stuff to do. I've got to learn. And you just, you just plowed your way through that. I love those kind of stories because yeah, especially working with power tools, right? That's not, that's a little fearful. <laughs> it was, and it was not even to where like our house is 1818. We think. Mm-hmm. when I moved in here uh, truly, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody that lived here, but it was, it was the ugliest house on the street. You know, windows were boarded up wow. in some places. Like it, it was rough. Um, but this, this farmhouse had been in my husband's family for over a hundred years. Everyone had a love for it. But after his, after Gary's passing, people said, you know, a lot of people advised me just tear it down and start over. And I'm too, headstrong. I thought, no, because at at that point we were kind of fixing up each room Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. one at a time, but my involvement was picking out paint colors and and maybe lending a hand when he needed something held up. Um, so I was like, nope, I'm going to make this house the best that it ever has been. And I, I hired an architect and told him how I wanted, because I had drawn a picture when my husband was alive of the house that I was seeing, like in my I don't know, a vision or just what I would do if, if I could fix it up. And I had that picture hanging on a refrigerator. It was a, a real rough sketch. And I wrote my dream over it. And I just always had this feeling like it was going to happen, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. And of course, I wouldn't trade my husband for anything, mm-hmm. but I just feel like that was a way of maybe the universe preparing me for what I was going to have to do. So anyway, I, I hired an architect. He drew up blueprints. I pulled permits. I hired my own people. I oversaw that not knowing anything about construction, but I, I coordinated my electrician and my plumber and all, and all of these, these tradespeople. So yeah, I'm living in the house now that I drew a picture of, oh gosh, I don't even know how long ago that picture is actually yellowed with time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I can, I can relate to that. Um, attachment to a home. My grandparents had a dairy farm and I was there every weekend I could possibly be during my childhood years. I absolutely adored the farm. We had ca- um, cows and acres of land and horses. And, um, you know, I grew up helping split wood with my dad, stuff like that, yeah. but um, we, it's no longer in the family. And it is one of the most painful mm. as far as like that attachment to your family's history. Right. And legacy. So I think it's beautiful that you embrace that in your husband's memory to keep it in the family, right. To, to make it your dream home look have been your plan. It's almost like a way it's like a, a tribute to him too. And that's, it, it totally that's is beautiful. I'd love yeah. that Jennifer. Thank you. It totally is. And now his family, when they come home, my sister-in-law, which was Gary's uh, sister lives two houses away. We're very close. Um, and so whenever there's a family party, that's going to be had, it's had, everybody wants to come to grandma's home. So I really felt Um, And Gary and I had plans to one day fix it up. I don't know if it was going to be to this magnitude, but I thought I have to carry on 
and do this, as you said, like a tribute to him and a place that has, when we have family reunions, they can come to grandma's house. Yeah, that's, I I just love that. I love that you value that. I think that um, we live in a throwaway society on so many levels, right? Or even like not people not really understanding the importance of land and home Mm -hmm. and what's been built that came before you. You know, I'm a strong advocate for that and to appreciate it because like I said, it's a throwaway world and even people's lives are throwaway today. You know, it's just crazy. (laughs) Oh, you know, when I think of my childhood, it wasn't perfect by any means, but I was so blessed just having Mm -hmm. the farm that in itself was Mm -hmm. just such an incredible experience. So you mentioned that you uh, are by training, schooling a paralegal, right? Mm -hmm. So tell, like, tell me a little bit about that part of your life, because I, I, I recall in conversations we've had previously, there was sort of a, you went through a weird sort of issue that ended up, you, you left your beloved career, right? Do you want to talk about it? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yes. And I share this story because I know for a fact, there are other women or other people listening right now that are, are, are going to identify with a lot of what I'm about to say and go, Oh my gosh, you know, the, the issue of sexual harassment and workplace bullying is often thought of as a male boss and a female employee. And I had where my harasser was my female boss. And so that is a different ball of wax in and of itself. But I had a job just to give you the cliff notes. I had a job working at our, uh, the prosecutor's office in a neighboring County. And I was the grand jury coordinator. And I loved that job. I was good at it not to pat myself on the back, but you know, when you're a good employee, like, you know, you knew, I I knew I was doing a good job. There was never the the jurors all at the end of their two month term, they didn't want to go because I treat them them so well and was welcoming. And these are people that came in like their first day, like, I'm going to get out of jury duty. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to flip you and you're going to like it when, by the time you leave here. And that was always my goal. And you know, the jurors, they, they all had nothing but good to say, Um, In that capacity, I worked with all of the police officers in Summit County coming in to testify before the grand jury. So I got to know them very well. Mm -hmm. And um, that could have, that was actually my downfall is that I was very well liked. And I had a female boss that for whatever reason, it wasn't just me, but any, any woman that had her act together and was well liked and presented themselves well just became a target. And Mm. I have no other way to sugarcoat it. I was her, her main target. Um, And she did kooky things to me that had her best friend, not been our prosecutor that hired her Two women, best friends, the prosecutor hires her best friend. They were one and the same. I likened it to the mean girls club. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, I feel were very insecure in their own lives and just had to target the women in our office. Yeah, I and I was relate. not the only one. Yeah, I, I, I had a one. very similar experience that for some reason, when you try to do a good job, and like you said, present yourself well and bring do, you know, strive for excellence and uh, make people feel welcome and comfortable and safe. And you just do you just go above and beyond. There are people that are so threatened by that. And it, it I had a very similar experience. Jennifer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. And they went and did things. Now, looking back, I'm like, you know, if someone ever, and maybe somebody will dig, 
into this story because it got very much glossed over in the papers because of the people that I was dealing with were in a position of power. Mm -hmm. And I learned that they have friends that will cover for them. It's Mm -hmm. all a political chess move. But the things that my boss did to me were absolutely unacceptable with her seeing my posts on Facebook with me, with my flags and the officers I was creating them for, which were like family to me. Mm -hmm. But she looked at it as, oh, they all want to date her. And then that became a just a kooky, like stay out of my business type thing. But I wasn't even dating any of them, but she, it was a perception that Mm -hmm. she thought, Mm -hmm. Um, but she would go out of her way. The one, one incident I recall is her requesting the day after I posted a photo of a police officer, friend of mine and a flag. She found him on LinkedIn, uh, requested him and started grilling him. What? And asking if he was dating any, I'm telling you, this is like made for movie, like Lifetime or Netflix. I <laughs> uh, started asking him if he was dating anybody and this, and, and he texted because all the guys, they all, all the officers, male and female had my cell phone because it was easier just to say, Hey, going to be 10 minutes late for grand jury. Right. Hey, I need to, they all had my cell phone. So it wasn't uncommon to get a text from an officer. And he said, who is this lady from your office? I don't know her. And I said, she saw our picture yesterday. Like, you don't have to be Columbo to connect the dots. And I was like, oh my goodness, she saw our picture yesterday. And that's why she thinks we're dating. And she, after that, because there was nothing for him to tell her, she came to my office and asked me about it herself. And then when I wouldn't, there was nothing to tell. She put another secretary in my room to watch me. And it just got, I mean, it's the point of ridiculousness. But, but can I? Maybe I, maybe I don't understand how it works, but so what if you were dating a cop? I know. Like, is there something in the handbook that says, nope, you in your role cannot date a cop in the next precinct or district, whatever you call it. Like, nope. First of all, none of your business, none of her business has nothing to do with your job in, in accomplishing your work. That is what rational, mature women and men right. think. Right. We're not dealing with that breed of person. And I know that now, but I was like, what? And it got kooky. Like there was another time she called me out of work on County time to ask me if I was dating anybody. And I was like, lady, if you only knew how boring my personal life was, <laughs> I was like, I was coming home from work every day and going in my shop and making flags. Right. Right. Just trying and to I was stay like, busy. Yeah. I was like, you have no idea. You're so out of line, but it, the, it became ridiculous. It, it was complete harassment. I tried to report to one of my senior female supervisors, um, in our office. And she confided in me that they did it to her too. So that is one of the more odd forms of sexual harassment where you, you're being made to feel uncomfortable in, in your, at work, because someone is asking you questions that have to do with your personal life and, you know, your, romantic life, which is not anyone's business, right? So that that is a very, I mean, generally, like you said, you think of like, you know, you're in the elevator and a guy makes a pass at you or you're, you know, you're in the conference room and they tap you on the butt when you walk by, whatever. Like, that's how I always think, you know, sexual harassment or just propositioning someone. Right. This is just a twisted, weirder, odd, more odd dynamic. And, uh, you know, and again, back to the two friends in these 
senior roles, right? Hiring a friend. So there's nepotism going on mm-hmm. and I call it the incestuous side of business. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was actually just, um, something on LinkedIn about, um, is it healthy for people, especially senior level people to be, to be friends on social media, to be sharing their private, it's not, it's, it's a boundary. I'm not saying I'm not friends with anyone I worked with, but maybe 1% of the people and I was extremely selective. And, and what was weird was they all, because I came from a very toxic culture too, they all were friends on Facebook, the chairman of the board, board members, the executive director, the president, HR director, all, they all were friends on Facebook and they used to send me requests and I'd be like, deny, 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 deny. I'm not, I'm not going into that cesspool. And, and that's, I think, a way to where like they, that camaraderie, they are able to mob and you know mm-hmm. they sort of they have this this, this private weird connection i don't get it and half yeah. of them are all related to each other on top of it so oh yeah, yeah. that's bad that's a bad situation and i would actually after she started digging and i knew she was like going way out over over the top and was completely out of line i did block her blocking your bot like that's not I knew she'd know that I blocked her I know but I thought I'm not having you digging around and and looking at my I was doing good <laughs> I was doing good with my flags and bringing positive attention to the office and um and I, you know and I, I got permission from them to share my pictures of my mm-hmm. flags and they even put me in their newsletter and it, it, so it was a known thing and I was told that's good PR for us go right ahead Right. So it wasn't even like they had an issue with me making money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it just, that was the undoing. And actually the friend that I went to and or the supervisor, which I considered her a friend, um, I went to her and I said, you know, this is what's happening. And when I mentioned a Facebook post, she said, ah, Facebook. Yeah. She goes, they did. That's what happened. She had posted a photo of her and her boyfriend on vacation somewhere. And after that post, the two women made her a target. And she said, yeah, but, and lucky for her, she went on to where she was running for judge. And so they suddenly needed her in there. And then they were suddenly nice to her, but it's strange that, um, oh, and this is, this is such a, like Netflix needs to call me up because I know I feel like it's, I feel like it's like back in high school too. Like I literally feel like as you're, this is like high school girl behavior. Oh, it totally is. It totally like, is because she has a boyfriend. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. I know these are you know. women in our forties <laughs> and they were in their, you know, in forties and fifties, this is not even, but anyway, um, this particular coworker ended up getting fired in part because we were trying to tell the truth and she was recorded telling the truth. And the, the lengths that our office went through to cover up and, and actually that's, criminal what they did I, I to cover their track. Yeah, that's a... because they said there were things on the tape that weren't on it and they got a hire another county official to cover and say, oh yeah, we investigated. There's nothing to see. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you totally it totally, sounds like they yeah. might be guests in their own courthouse. <laughs> I hope I, they I need I to be hoping, uh, they do need to be and but I've had to move on from that because yeah. at one point I was like, you know, this is gonna if I wake up every day thinking about the people that have wronged me it's going to keep me stuck. And I want to, and I know someday I, you know, I had a dream that I ran into my boss in our 
cafeteria that was in the courthouse, but it was so vivid to me. Um, but in my dream, I told her, I want to thank you for the way that you treated me because I would not, you put me in a better position by trying to hold me down. And in my dream, I knew in my heart, like I was faking it. I was faking the funk, but I just wanted to make her mad. But <laughs> then when I woke up, I, th- I said, you know what? I someday will say those words to her and I will mean it. I will have the emotions to back it. And things are finally happening for me. Now, this is three years ago that I walked out. Right. Um, but things are finally happening to where I know I will thank them. But it was a long struggle and it just was a kooky made for TV drama. Yeah, it, it does. I hope I hope um, someone in my network or one of my listeners does know someone on Netflix or Hallmark or wait, Lifetime. I think Lifetime would be a great, a great network. It would need to be segments. Yeah, it would have like to be series. to where there's a, a series of my story. Um, but and that would be a juicy part of it because there's just so much craziness to where people are going to be like, no way. I don't believe you. And I'm like, going to be like, yeah. And here's 10 other people that can tell you that that's the truth. Yeah. I think there's yeah. a couple things, very important things you mentioned in that, that um, you didn't just go ahead and start building your side hustle or, or your brand, right? Your personal brand without getting approval from them, which was mm-hmm. very respectful of you. Because I mean, honestly, unless it's in gross conflict to the, to your role in a company, who cares if you're doing something on the side, if you're doing your job, that's like another whole thing. And now they're saying now, now organizations are saying, encourage your personnel to do that. That can be great PR. Like you said, initially it was great PR for them. It was until great you for started them, yeah. to get too successful. And then until the I envy, started winning contests. Yep. Yeah. And the jealousy and the envy, and now you're getting too much attention. So now, no, we can't be having this. I mean, I, right. I, it's funny because a friend of mine actually pointed out to me, um, I sell vintage clothes on the side, as you know, mm. Red Velvet Shoe Vintage. And uh, there's Instagram, as you know, um, you have to be really careful with copyright as far as sharing images, right? It's like if you share a um, Getty image or something and they see it, they can actually send you like a a fine. Like you have to be really Mm -hmm. careful. And and sometimes like I would want to use like an advertiser for something or a picture. But so my friend's like, just just create your own, like do like do a photo shoot for the day and put. So I did. And I had just gone through a time right before I got fired where I was sharing, I mean, it's not how I normally look every day at home. I mean, I was like doing full on makeup, doing my hair, you know, having all these outfits and backdrops set up like you do with TikTok. Like you, you frame the whole thing. It's a ton of mm-hmm. work, right? I was trying mm-hmm. to create visuals for my business that I own. So I wouldn't have copyright issue and they got a great, great response, great feedback. Um, but a friend of mine pointed out to me, she goes, don't you think it's kind of odd that you had all these beautiful pictures on your, your personal brand, social media, and like within a month you were fired. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that was a part of it. I can't trace that, but knowing the people, the woman that fired me. Yeah. I'm not the kind of woman she would want seeing, putting myself out there on social media. Let's just put it that way. So, yep. That, and that's just sad. That's petty because build your own stupid brand, right? If you, if you don't be jealous of me, find your niche and and do your thing. There's room for everyone. There's more than enough room for everyone. The gentlewoman boss podcast has been named top 20 best month reporting podcasts of 2021 
by Wealth Magazine, number 36 of 200 in top entrepreneurship podcasts by Podchaser, and top 20 best whistleblower podcasts for 2021 by CastBox Media. For sponsorship opportunities, please visit our website at thegentlewomanboss.com. So I, some people can't see that my boss went so far when I, what I was con- convinced that I needed to put myself out on YouTube and create videos so that if a lady wanted to see how to change it, you know, something in the toilet, um, that there were examples of women as well as, right. as guys. Right. Um, so I started making videos, started doing my YouTube channel. My ex boss would call my coworkers into her office to watch my videos and make fun of me. That's how petty and pathetic. Uh, cause my, my true friends there, you know, and that was a, that was a tough situation because nobody wanted to lose their job. Exactly. So I only had a few true blue people that said, we need to let you know, she's, she's, you know, that they, they saw, they witnessed a few employees in her office, standing around watching a video. And actually the video I made was meant to, meant to be, um, humorous, but not, they weren't laughing. Cause it was like, ah, that's a good joke, Jen. I had, I'm known for my overalls. Right. And right. so one of my followers said, Hey, show us how you style your overalls. So I did a funny, it was like a runway. And I thought, and, and part of the reason I did it is because I was terrified to do it. I danced. <laughs> And modeled, kind of like modeled my different overalls, but it yeah. was meant to be funny. Like I had a disco look, I had a cowboy look. Right. Um, so I, it just was like, you know, I had someone edit it because I didn't know anything about editing to have like a curtain come back. And it just was like a cute. And I was like, I'm going to do this because it scares the heck out of me. And you've got and to face the done fear. It, I've done it. Right, right. Yeah, but never did I think that they would take it and twist it and uh, turn it into something um, just yeah, it just was, they turned it into something that it really wasn't. It's sad that, um, among many groups of women, whether it's business, volunteer work, whatever you want to call it, that talent begets jealousy and envy Mm -hmm. and rarely support. Like when there's, when someone sees talent, they just, if they have insecurities, it's, they can't celebrate your success. Right. So, um, you also mentioned something about um, what you just talked about women on YouTube, showing other women how to do things at home or, or, um, like in a workshop type of thing. And that was one of my other questions. What is it like to be a female entrepreneur in a male dominated sector? Like, like how, I know you said it's been three years and it's things are finally coming together. So you want to share how that, that process has been? Sure. So it's getting better the attitudes are slowly changing. Mm -hmm. I've had it to where there are still some old ways of thinking and it's still a good old boys club. Mm -hmm. And there was one platform in particular that I got kicked off on the first day and harassed. It was Reddit. I have nothing good to say about Reddit. I I got kicked off Reddit too, because I shared a link to my podcast first time. I've never been on it in 20 years, whenever it was founded. Finally, someone said, you need to get on Reddit and plug your podcast. I did and they banned me. What's the thing? Someone wanted a podcast for women dealing with women bullies in the workplace. Hello, that's my podcast, right? Nope, got banned. So yeah, 
Reddit poop. Poop, Okay, so you get what I'm saying. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) I joined a woodworking group thinking, oh, great. Another woodworking group. Because on Instagram, the woodworking community for it by and large is very supportive and and wonderful. And I thought, oh, good. Another woodworking. They're going to open their arms to me. And it was like a pack of wolves with fresh meat. And a lot of the things that were said were because I was a female. Yeah. And they were like, why are you? Because I will be the first to admit I do things differently with my videos. I might take a project and turn it into more of like a music video production. But that's me. That's how I want to present myself. And I've been accused of you're not a real woodworker. And that's not how so-and-so. And and they'll, they'll mention uh, female woodworkers that I admire and follow, but they kind of use it. That's not how she does it. And why are you? And it just was, oh my gosh, I got banned on the first day. And I was like, well, <laughs> and I, I was like, you know what? They probably did me a favor because if that's how nasty the whole environment is, I don't want to be there anyway. And I, that's probably the biggest takeaway with a lot of these lessons. Those people, they've all done me a favor and I didn't realize that it hurts. It hurts to be like not liked and kicked out of somewhere, um, you know, and when you don't feel like you deserved it, but in the end, you can't stay around people like that. No, I agree 100%. And it's like, you know, I, I, when I talk to people about the tension between women in the workplace, like, you know, the being insecure, feeling threatened, all that. Okay. That's the human element, right. Of all of us. We're human. We have, we all have our insecurities, you know, we all have, and that's noted. However, when you're ostracized or kicked out of, or not, you know, left out of intentionally that there's a human element to that on our end too. And that hurts too. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, if you're going to give one person grace because they they're insecure, then you have to understand that on the other side of it, being the person ostracized, that's our human element. It hurts. Like you said, it does Mm -hmm. hurt, but like, we can't, you can't stay stuck in that. And generally when that door closes, there's a very good reason, right? And you're probably saving yourself from a lot of more toxic behavior. So oh, yeah, you just look like, you know, it, it's, and I think <laughs> it's a lesson learned. So um, recently, my husband and I, we do volunteer work and we had a change in our assignment. It was disappointing because we had invested seven years into this. I mean, many hundreds of hours. And I have to say, like, I kind of took it, it means like getting fired again. But I think all the work I did from getting fired from my secular job, right, kind of prepared me for like, well, it is what it is. Yeah, it hurts. Not, you know, it doesn't feel fair, but we did good work. We know we did good work and move on to the next thing. You know, he he was heartbroken and I, and I was mm. trying to like comfort him. So I think it shows how the process you go through the grief of losing a career you love, losing a job and then doing the work to get, like you said, to the place where you you're not going to let that define you or continue to harm you or keep you down and you rally and you move on, then that's growth phase. You become more empowered. Yeah. And yeah, so you here do. I was the one helping him, you know, and, and he actually said, he's like, I think I kind of finally understand what you went through. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did, yeah. he, and he was a wonderful support, but until you've kind of experienced it, it's hard. You know, it's yeah. hard. And, so. I, and that's when I learned that you can actually grieve a job. Oh, yes. I woke up for the first, I don't even know how long, year crying. Like I should be going. And I'd look at my watch. Okay, our cases should be starting. 
And then a lot of the officers didn't know. So I would continue to get text messages. Hey, I'm going to be late. Or the ones that did know, hey, we're here and it isn't the same without you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've run into a few, I remember the, their Christmas party, one of the, um, the Akron police department had invited me to come to their Christmas party, which was a huge public event for a lot of people to come. And I ended up leaving and t- I had to leave cause I was making a fool out of myself crying. Everyone that came up and hugged me and I'm like, I don't want to be the party pooper, but and I left early. I couldn't even be there. And I've not gone back since. Cause I- I'm telling you, even after three years, I would still cry. I've run into a few of them out. I was yeah. with one of my friends. We were at Olive Garden and three detectives came in and they were like, Jen, and they hugged me and I, I got teared up on them and couldn't talk. Yeah. So it's like, even to today, that experience, I, I learned then that you could, you could truly grieve a job. And it's, it almost was like the death of my identity mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And, and I weird. think- it's so true and because it's not, it's not just, and I've talked about this before in other episodes, it's not just the loss of a paycheck. It's not just the loss of your health insurance, your 401k. 401k, you know, it was everything. It's not just yeah. the financial, right? right. It's, the, it's the routine of your mm-hmm. life. It's the people that you yep. interact with daily or weekly yep. anyway. It's if you, if like you were, you know, you had to take care of the jurors. I had to take care of the residents that lived in my building. They were lovely, amazing people. I miss, I cry. I, I can relate. Cry. And then I got, I got letters, emails, cards, yep. phone calls. And I couldn't, yep. I couldn't even compose myself to talk. I was like sobbing and they were so sweet, but it was like, it, it's just, it, it felt good to have someone understand, but it, it's you, it is an absolute, it's like grieving a death and maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but that's why you do have to do the work as you know, right. Losing your husband, there are process, there are stages of grief and you Mm -hmm. have to push yourself through every one or you will get stuck. You will get stuck. And it's the same with this, especially when it's one thing, if you quit your job because you have a better offer, that's a whole different, you're going to still miss your people, but it's different when you you're pushed out of something. I didn't want to leave. Yeah. yeah I did same. not want to leave. The final straw for me was when I finally got the courage to speak to my, to the prosecutor thinking that she has no idea what, what my boss is doing to me. And she looked at me and said that, that Lisa tells her everything and has for years and she wouldn't even listen. And I said, do you really think it's okay for a supervisor to harass and question an employee about their personal life. And she was, she wouldn't even hear it. Wouldn't even say, let's go in the other room. Let me hear your concerns. Let me hear your side. She said, Nope. Lisa tells me everything she has for years and, and basically called me a lot. And I went like, I grabbed my head in disbelief and I went, Oh my God, I thought you'd be horrified when you heard. And that's not the case. And then I just had like a, I think my ears started ringing. I thought I was going to pass out kind of moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, like a panic attack. And I'm like, I can't stay here. Well, because you're not being heard. You're not being heard. People are, people are condoning and allowing and, and by, by being, staying silent, they're condoning it and they're, they're supporting that behavior. So how can you stay at a place where you're not heard? Your psychological safety isn't a priority. You know, you did what you had to do. I did. Yeah. And, And, and after I left, I realized they were setting me up because I had filed a complaint and I had won my complaint with the HR 
or with the, with the county. And I saw after I left that they were setting me up to fire me. Now, believe, I was a perfect employee. Had my All of my evaluations were above, well, you know, exceeds and, and all of that. And after I left, they put a bunch of things in my file, my personnel file that were not there before. And I saw that some of the people that play their game were starting to like trying to document it to make it look like I wasn't doing my job. And I was like, oh my gosh, where did it? Because I requested my personnel file. I'm like, when was this added? Yeah, I had to say, I, they, they, um, I'm like, <laughs> I, it, it is, it is so twisted the lengths they will go to cover up the toxic, ridiculous, yeah. illegal yep. behavior. They, yep. my, when I, I, same thing, the day I was fired, I texted HR and I said, I want my personnel file now because I knew exactly what they can be up to. It came a week later in the mail. My job description had been completely edited to make it look like I had overstepped my job description and, you know, got myself into stuff that wasn't my business. You know, I know exactly what my role was and the things I brought up that I got fired for bringing up were more than my business based on my role. So yep. I have, of course I have my original job description and my lawyer has all that stuff. So it is what it is, but it is yep. crazy. It is, you know, and I think too, when you're in a toxic work environment or leadership is not holding themselves or others accountable, it's like the person that tells the lie that has to tell the lie to cover the lie that has to tell the next lie. And then the trying to remember the lies and, and exactly. it just is that snowball effect. And it's exactly. like, you, you, that's just... I work for politicians. <laughs> These are the people that are supposed to uphold the law and, and be truthful. And when I saw the other side of that, and I did try going to, um, representative like the top of Ohio and saying, look, they're running a campaign on County time and I can prove it. Nobody wants to hear it. Yeah. Nobody wants to look into it. Nobody wants to, the only person that ever called me to ask me was their attorney that they hired. And he sneakily pretended he was, he was being hired by the part, the count, the County that investigated. So they he falsified be, his identity. He, he, yes. Me oh. and the other witnesses tried contacting us. That's crazy. Oh, it's a whole, there's more to that too. All right. We, we're going to go on a so, mission to find someone at Netflix. Okay. If somebody in a lifetime. In yeah. If yeah. anyone of my listeners has a connection there, reach out to Jennifer or reach out to me because this is, this could be like a hit, a hit show. Seriously. You can't make it up, <laughs> but you know, they always say truth is stranger than fiction, right? Jennifer. Yes. This is, this is a whole, like I said, it should be a movie. It should, but it should be investigated because these people are still, I thought if they would lie about something small for me, who yeah. are they? What cases are they lying? Because if the truth came to light and they prosecuted somebody wrongfully and that person shouldn't be in jail, yeah. That I would not doubt that they would cover it up. Well, it's funny keep because them there. when when I got fired over the phone, I came downstairs and knocked on my husband's office door, and you know, I said they just fired me, and he was like, "What? What? Was, like that's yeah. retaliation?" But that evening at dinner, he said, "I think you unearthed a can of worms, like the tippity tip of the iceberg." And they wanted you out of there. Yep. 
but unfortunately now it's it's going to be worse for them because now I'm in litigation. So what could have been quietly addressed and fixed and misunderstandings corrected, whatever. Now they, so they, they, you know, they open their own Pandora's box. That's it. Yep. It's not on yep. me. Right. Not on me. Yep. So I want to, you know, speaking of all this sadness about losing our corporate careers, but I know you love clothes and fashion <laughs> and thrifting. I'm a, I love to go thrifting too. And I know one of the things you said that you missed about going to work every day is getting dressed up every day, right? Yeah. Like I, I do too. I used to love to get dressed for work. Um, so I know you miss that. And now like, mm-hmm. like, but now you're in more like your day, you're in work um, appropriate attire, right? Like you, yeah. you can't be in heels. Well, yeah, I know you do sometimes your videos. It's cute. Sometimes. But, yeah. You got to like, be careful, PPE, all that stuff. Yeah. But I know you, so um I know you miss that about work and I do too, but what could you tell what thrift store find as far as clothing or a garment or something? What's your, one of your like top ever finds? Cause I've seen oh. in some gorgeous gowns. Like, in Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so I love, well, one that sticks out would have to be this beautiful orange. I think, it, I think the brand is, I think it was the limited, mm-hmm. but it was this beautiful orange leather like mid, like just below the knee skirt. And it just like, I picked it up and it felt like butter. And I was like, you are going home with me. I'm like, do the zippers work? Yep. Uh, You're going home with me. I found some beautiful coats there too. Mm. Some vintage like fur, which I love animals. I wouldn't go out and buy it, but it was like a vintage fur. I think beaver coat. I think I Mm -hmm. got there. Uh, Super warm um, and some nice, like the limited um, beautiful coats I used to wear to work. Yeah. One had a beautiful fur collar around it. Um, yeah, just lovely, lovely things. Some beautiful evening gowns, mm. um, that I thought, I don't know where I think I'm going, but I'm <laughs> buying this and I've worn them in videos like, as you know, to go in a theme with, with videos at Christmas time, I did a 25 day, you know, like countdown to Christmas. Yes. I saw that one. That yeah. Funny. So all I wore gowns. all those dresses. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this was a $4 dress. Or this is a $2 dress. I didn't know where I thought I was going to go, but I'm glad I bought it. But yeah, a lot of that, or a lot of furniture come, mm-hmm. that I redo comes yep. from, from thrift stores. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that you do that because, um, you know, there is a, there is a huge dialogue about sustainability and, um, repurposing, you know, the global warming, all the pollution. Oh, they just had that horrible oil spill. There's just so much happening that's affecting the environment. So, um, it's again, one of the reasons I love vintage and, and Mm -hmm. drifting too. you know, finding new life for things. Um, and I, it's funny because I'll come home with these whatever gowns dresses frocks and my husband's like where do you think you're gonna wear that <laughs> and I go this is my Paris wardrobe because someday I'm gonna get to Paris and this is all the stuff I'm gonna bring and he's like oh god I can see I can see the luggage already you know but uh yeah it's fun it's it's kind of fun and and I love finding new homes for stuff so like you do right like you yeah you're always you I cannot get over your creativity with Aww, like the craft you. things and you're just so Sometimes I'm like, how did she even come up with this concept? So it's amazing. I hope my listeners um, follow you because especially if, if you do love repurposing and, and uh, cre- if you're creative, Jennifer puts out the funnest content and Thank just, you. Um, 
Yeah, it's amazing. So to that point, Jennifer, um, how did you manage to get 275,000 followers on social media? I mean, what was that process like? Did you have like a something that was a breakthrough or it was just slowly built up over the years? Kind of a little bit of both. I've always, I've been on Facebook since, since early and I, it was around the time that I saw the DeWalt contest on Facebook that my daughter said, you need to get Instagram too, to show your flags. And then that way that might help with getting votes to win this contest. So that's why I went on to Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then later on, TikTok came around and I wasn't looking for anything else because it was already work um, just to keep up with the platforms I was on. And Gary Vaynerchuk was the one I kept seeing all of his posts saying, anyone who's anyone needs to be on TikTok. This is the growth, you know, this is going to be the next big thing. And I was like, well, okay, if Gary V says I should be on TikTok, I should be on TikTok. And, and I, I thought, well, I'll open an account. And if I don't like it, then, cause I think this was after Reddit. It okay. was, it was after I tried Reddit, um, as a new platform. And I was like, well, if they're dreadful, like over on Reddit, then I'll just delete my account. And what's the harm that can be done. Right. So I started realizing that my strengths all came together the best on TikTok. And there was one video to answer your question. There was one video that just skyrocketed that I got. I want to say over a hundred thousand followers in a short amount of time. Yeah, it does happen. And and it was my 80th video that I posted. Oh, wow. So I had to, I don't want to fool anyone and think, oh yeah, go on TikTok. You'll be an overnight success. That does happen, but chances are you're going to have to stick with it. So video number 80 that I posted was the one that went viral. It has almost 10 million views. And actually it would have had more. Yeah, it would have had more. But at one point they were going through where they were taking down. And it still happens where you had a video and then somewhere along the lines, that audio got taken away because of copyright issues. Oh, right, right, right. So it was one of those where I had this huge success. And then the video went silent and it broke my heart. And then it, because the song I used was I'm coming out by Diana Ross. Oh, right. So, um, cause it was like a makeover thing. And I was like this couch that I made over. So, um, anyway, I just kept messaging, please put the audio back, please restore it. That song is now, you know, approved. And, and, um, so finally they like, they did after maybe over. Yeah. So it was dormant though, for a couple of years. Uh, or at least a year. I'm, yeah. I'd have to look at the, at the time. So now it's back and people are seeing it, but it kind of like lost the momentum, but mm-hmm. that was the video that, that everyone um, really loved and saw, made me realize that that can happen. That is that kind of craziness can happen. Yeah. yeah. And I've had a couple after that, that have, but not to that level. I've had a few that, you know, maybe um, I've had a couple other million view videos there was one, the t-shirt that I designed and oh, half of it yeah. goes to charity yep. that had like 300,000 views overnight and brought in a lot of followers. So yeah, it does happen. So you mentioned a couple important things that, um, the work involved with maintaining social yeah. media platforms, right? Like I'm a one, one woman show too. And I am not on TikTok basically because I the thought of maintaining another platform. And I don't know if, per se, if 
my niche is, is like yours is, that's a perfect platform for you with what you do, right? The creative. So, I, you know, I still do get people say you should get on there. You should get on. But the point is the amount of work, right? Like editing, creating the videos, editing the music, making sure copyright, oh, all this stuff. It's a full-time job in and of itself, it right? Mm-hmm. So my other question is, was there ever a time you really, really, really felt like just giving up? Like, I'm just going to go work, oh. get, find a job. And, you know, and how did you, so how did you push through that? Well, the times that I felt like that, it's been during COVID. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know that I, this is a great time to be going out and finding another job right now anyway. And really those down moments would last maybe a day or two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, this voice in my head says, keep going. Do not give up. Keep going. Do not give up. And, and now, yeah, I look back at those days. And I'm like, those were really rough days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad that I pushed through and kept going, but yeah. And this, this is a rough, you don't get a lot of, um, well, for me, for the last three years, like there's not a huge pay off. Like a lot of what I'm doing is free advertising for other people, other mm-hmm. companies in the hopes that they will sponsor me or it will lead somewhere or I'll get my own show or there, there will be some big payoff. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of days that I'm like, why am I doing this? I just went to the Dollar Tree and spent $20 on, on supplies or like went and bought paint and that's all out of my own pocket. And right. is the payoff really even worth it? There are a lot of days like that, but the underlying, I'm very purpose-driven and I know that I, I have, I do have a purpose and I cannot give up on my life's the reason I'm here. Right. Right. And that is to change stereotypes and to break through and to get women in marketing and in advertising for the big tool companies. Yeah. So do you, do you want to, sh- can you share who some of your sponsors are or is that like, do you, cause I know you sure. wear. I know you wear a lot of yellow and black. So. Yeah. So I'm not officially sponsored and people think I am. Oh, okay. I'm not yet. Okay. So I hope to be, um, but I do have affiliate links like Acme tools, yep. uh, Ace hardware. There are other companies I'm partnering with um, that are related in the DIY industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one DGP that I'm going to be partner. Well, I have partnered with them, but I think that I'll have some type of more of like a paid, you know, influencer capacity going forward. And they make wonderful green products and nice. like for bar and chain oil for chainsaws mm-hmm. and degreasers. Um, so there, there, uh, there's a box company I'm working with that brings small quantities. If you're a maker mm-hmm. um, and you want to buy really nice boxes and you don't want to go to the big companies that make you buy like thousands of boxes, right. you can buy quantities of 20 and they're they're cheaper and they're better quality than the competitors. So, and that's brick and seal, if I can plug that. So there sure. are things it's taken a long time, but these companies are watching, especially on LinkedIn mm. and they're saying, Hey, we think you're great. We think that you can maybe promote us because COVID has changed the game drastically. They can't especially send their sales force. Right. Yes. They can't right. send their sales people out in a lot of cases. So they have to look at other ways to get their brand seen in front of a lot of eyes. And what do you do? You get an influencer and you have them make a video for TikTok. Right. So, yeah. So if there's anyone out there listening that is um, (laughs) 
you know, a Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever um, company, you know, if your brand reps there, the, uh, Jennifer would be a fantastic person to collaborate <laughs> with. She can get your name in front of 200, um, 280,000 people like in 30 seconds. So yeah. think about it, right? <laughs> yep. Um, so that's, that's, I just find you so inspiring. I oh, just, thank I, you. I do. And like knowing everything you've overcome, you, it's like, sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we've overcome, right? Mm -hmm. Cause we just always feel like there's, there's the next thing to overcome or the next day to plow through. So it's good sometimes to reflect back Oh and, yeah, and give ourselves some of that credit and grace yeah. and space to just say, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not where I wanted to be yet, but I'm definitely further along than I was here or there. Exactly. Right? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Keep up the good work. My final Thank question you. for you, um, Jennifer, is what quality of a gentlewoman do you think is most important to emulate and why? I'm going to say fairness. Nice. Fairness. And, and I, you know, I feel almost blessed that yes, I had the worst female boss ever, but my very first boss was the best female. And she, if I had to look at, and her name was Michelle also, it was when I graduated with a degree um, in fashion marketing and I got hired by Nine West and I worked um, under a woman named Michelle and she was a terrific example of a, what a boss should be. And she was the quality that stands out to me is she was fair. Mm. She treated everyone and she did things. She wouldn't expect, Hey, you go do that over there. And like, I'm going to go sit over here and eat bonbons. Like she got in there, rolled up her sleeves and wouldn't do a job that she wouldn't like, wouldn't ask us to do something she herself wouldn't do. Right. So right. I'm going to say fairness. That's fairness beautiful. is something that uh, a boss, every boss should be fair and not pick favorites right? and not let your feelings and your relationships with people cloud your judgment because it will be your downfall if you do. So fairness. I love that. And I, I think it is, uh, especially for a leader, right? Yeah. No room for favorites, no room for nep nepotism same accountability for everyone, regardless of relationship in or out of work. And, you know, that's true in, in relationships in life in general, right? To, to be yeah. fair. Yeah. Fair. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jennifer. For Thank you. That. Thank right. you. <laughs> so if, um, if, if any of my listeners do want to, and I know they will get in touch with you, follow you, find you out there, uh, how can they do that? They can, if you just Google my nickname, because I we touched on it. I'd won a contest through DeWalt, and my officer friends jokingly started calling me around the courthouse, Miss DeWalt. So I was like, you know what? And we had our laugh, and I'm like, you know what? I like that. So if they just Google Miss DeWalt, you're gonna have hundreds of things pop up. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. You'll LinkedIn. see all kinds of things. LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn. Yep. Yes, and I, I accept everybody on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I'm Jennifer Klein. Right. C L I N E. And I do accept everyone. Um, and so they can connect with me there. Awesome. And I will put all of that uh, in the episode notes on the podcast as well. So you can visit my, um, my host is Red Circle. If you go there, all this information will be there for you. You can just copy paste and 
and go follow this amazing trailblazing Aww. woman and entrepreneur and creator and and gentlewoman. She's she's Aww. a lady. She's a lady. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate yours too. It's been a pleasure, Jennifer. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Gentlewoman Boss podcast. Please remember to download my podcast so you can listen whenever and wherever you'd like. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much if you've already done so. It really does help with ratings and distribution of the show. I also invite you to email me if you'd like to share your story or if you have a question you'd like answered on an upcoming episode of the show. Just visit thegentlewomanboss.com and click on the contact tab at the top to email me. You can also follow me on social media at gentlewomanboss. And if you prefer to watch podcasts rather than just listen to the audio version, my episodes are also uploaded on my YouTube channel in video format as well. Click subscribe and when new episodes drop, they'll show up in your YouTube feed. It's super easy. So until next time, remember, always choose to be the gentlewoman or gentleman in the room. I'll see you soon for the next episode of the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast.